Welcome, Bitcoiners. You are here at the Ordinals Show, and I am live from L.A. in the shower in a wizard costume. I'm Trevor.BTC, here with my co-host, Leonidas and Jan. Jan, unmute yourself. This was the plan. And you're front-running me. I'm also in the shower, and the iPhone doesn't work right now. It's just behaving very weird. I cannot control this magic. I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's happening. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to manage this, but I'm here. And you are at the Ordinal Show with us. We're here to talk about Ordinals, spread the good word, and all the innovations in the space. Guys, what are Ordinals? Ordinals are a new kind of non-fungible token on Bitcoin L1. They are just pieces of Bitcoin Satoshis of the file inscribed to them. They're simple, elegant, powerful, but more important than this is the movement of innovation on Bitcoin. And that is what we're here to talk about today in the shower. 100%. We host this show twice a week, Monday mornings, 10.30 Eastern, Wednesday evenings, 6.30 p.m. And we're all here to spread the good words about ordinals and i don't know what to talk because i am totally wet i don't know what's happening my iphone is malfunctioning so please guys take it away Jan, you gotta read the guests my friend read the guests wow yeah 100 so we have adam from emblem world we have danny from on-chain monkey we have billy from ordinal shards we have jamil from gamma we have Joshin from Magic Eden. We have Post Capone, who is the PSBD Maxi. We have Udi, the man himself that made us do all this craziness in the shower. We have Sai that is always having great takes on how to bring the space forward. We have Swings that is always onboarding more people into Ordinals. And we'll have more people coming on soon, very shortly. And if you thought this video couldn't get more cringe, I am in the shower with Billy Resty, creative Ordinal Shards. Billy! What is up, everyone? Taproot Wizards, baby. Make sure to like and retweet the pinned post. Spread the word of Bitcoin and let's make it magical. All right. We are truly making Bitcoin magical. We are truly changing the culture of Bitcoin. Real life on the Ordinal Show. Udi, you're responsible for all of this. Remember that. It's not my fault. I am, I'm also taking a shower to celebrate this moment. But it's totally not my fault. I mean, <laughs> it wasn't my idea. It never was my idea. I'm just doing what I'm told by those Temple Blizzards. It's really not something that I planned. Just wanted to put this out there. Is anybody live streaming the, the shower scenes right now? Can we watch this anywhere? So... I think Trevor and Jan are filming themselves and they'll post a video later. I can't believe they convinced me to do this, but I'm not going to video it, but I am in a costume I bought on Amazon in a shower right now, unfortunately. But yeah, I think there will be some videos coming later tonight or tomorrow. <laughs> this is uh, this is definitely more concerning than the reorg, for sure. With that, Leonidas, let's get into the show. All right, so this concludes our shower segment. I'm going to turn the water off here, and we are going to begin with segment one. We're joined by 
Jamil from Gamma, and we're going to be talking about zero-fee inscriptions. Jan, you are going to be running this segment as soon as you dry off here. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I'm good. My iPhone survived, so we're ready to go. So, Jamil, interesting conversation to be had for sure. So tell us a little bit more about the reasoning that you guys have behind this move and how do you actually see this influencing the entire space? Yeah, I actually, I don't think it's that that surprising or that huge in, in the bigger picture. Like one important point to make first is that it's always been the case that you can make an inscription without a third party. Do it by just paying the transaction fees to the miners and if you ran your own Bitcoin node and had Ord installed. So that's how a lot of people, a lot of us in the speaker and in the audience did their first inscribing. And in fact, that's what made it accessible to everybody. That's, that, that was in some ways the fun part for a lot of us, right? Getting a Bitcoin node, getting Ord set up and everything. And that's how I made my first inscriptions too. And when Gamma launched the inscription service for the first time, we really just wanted to make this a little bit more accessible and do it essentially at cost. So when we launched, the average price an inscription service was charging was actually well north of $100 per inscription. That's crazy, right? And we brought it down like at launch to $5, basically, which was enough to pay our server bills and a few employees and our few employees and just basically do it at cost. But we even knew that was unsustainable long term. We wanted to basically democratize inscriptions for everyone. And that's the problems. That, that's the promise that, that ordinals have. All you have to do is pay a miner, right? You pay the transaction fee and you get your data inscribed. Um, I don't think our previous fee was necessarily egregious, but I think this is just the ne next step in the inevitable. One other point I want to make is after this, we really just want to get things hooked up to eliminate the need to trust an external node at all. You should really just be able to create an inscription straight from your web wallet, right? Like Xverse and Hero, especially now that those are out there. So I think as tooling gets more advanced, you see this curve of like in any technology, right? First things become like in a small group of early adopters that charge high fees and then tooling gets better. Things are out there and companies like ours, like Gamma, have to do more to prove our value to the user, right? We make things, we have to do more and build more in order to make more money, right? And in order to demonstrate our value to the community. So that's just what our focus is. That's why we put so much effort into making our marketplace, which launched on Monday, a clean, simple, trustless experience. And one other thing we just announced was listing and sales discord bots. So those are also 100% free to every ordinals collection who wants to show live listings and sales in their server. So you can see exactly when one, one's listed on Gamma. So yeah, just as the space develops, I think it'll be on everyone to make sure we keep innovating, keep delivering value, make inscriptions accessible to more and more people and uh, and just building in the ethos and spirit of Bitcoin. Yeah, that's super awesome. It's actually, guys, it's super hard to even keep up with all the updates that you guys are shipping. Really awesome stuff and appreciate you putting so much effort and work into this. Maybe another question that I would have in regards to this topic and to this new update that you guys just launched. Have you actually seen some sort of uptick in terms of inscription on your website that you basically guys made it more available now? So do you see actually people being more interested or maybe did you do it because people are complaining that maybe, hey, it's too expensive for me, I cannot afford it. Was there some sort of dynamics like that? It's funny, I expected that to be the case, but I don't think we've got a single person DM or post in our Discord server or talk to me and say, I think $5 was too expensive. I think it's just basically like a proactive decision that we made to just make th make things more accessible, right? I think it's inevitable that these inscriptions will become more more accessible and we want them to be more accessible. So, I mean, in the end, we're bringing them down to no cost. So 
in the end, it's not a, a business decision for what makes what makes us more money for inscriptions. It's basically just figuring out what makes sense in terms of the long long term future, and how we can make Gamma the home for for ordinals and inscriptions. Yeah, one hundred percent. We have Eli Herf as well from Gamma on the stage, and so feel free to chime in onto this. I think my question maybe was directed more towards the artists or people that are maybe even trying to launch collections, right? Because then we're talking not about just one inscription that will cost $5, but maybe we're talking about hundreds, thousands of inscriptions that these guys want to inscribe, put on chain. And so then it can get a little bit more expensive. And so Eli, did you actually, because you talk to these artists and to these different communities all the time. So did you actually hear any kind of conversations in that regard? And was this something that really pushed you guys? Hey, we need to innovate on this. We need to make it as affordable as possible. No, I think as Jamil said, it wasn't from any chatter or any push or any kind of, I guess, in that regard, but we just wanted to make it as accessible as possible because at Gamma, as everyone knows, we build for creators. Creators drive everything that we do in the space. Creators, obviously, a gigantic part of our community. And without creators, there isn't this space. So as Jamil mentioned, as a team, we just discussed it and we just want to really make it open, make it accessible and bring the tooling and basically plan for the future. Yeah, so I think this is also a good point that like are in terms of providing more value right one of the things that we do for example is aside from the inscription service which we now reduce to free also offer like a launch pad for creators and what this allows people to do is if you're a creator you can upload images and you don't pay any upfront cost and then it allows users like your collectors to then pay the inscription fee and mint just like you would on ETH so instead of a creator coming in and paying ten hundred thousand dollars to inscribe their whole collection, they can upload the images and then the collector will do that. So that's an example of a service that we provide. And we do take a fee for those collection mints. We take a ten percent fee for the from from that. But that's something where we have to go above and beyond and say, look, we're providing you something that's above and beyond the basic infrastructure or the basic the basic tooling that that Ord provides or that the network provides. And we're actually doing something that provides additional value for for creators and collectors. I was going to say, and I might just add to that is basically because obviously like with tooling, like Jamil just mentioned, the ability to set up a mint, we wanted to create tooling, create a service and experience that's much more like what everybody's used to, whether they're setting up mints and minting on ETH or setting up mints and minting on stacks. So the more, I guess, the more seamless or the more familiar the tooling can be, the better it is for everybody. So they don't need to know exactly when I say they don't need to know, they can ask and find out what's going on under the hood is less of the issue to them as the user experience. So the user experience in that, and with an easy UI, of course, is key. And that's what we built. We had that going prior to actually launching the marketplace and then prior to obviously bringing the inscription cost service fee to zero and bringing these bots out today. So that's been going really strongly for, Jamil can probably correct me here, but I think already a few weeks. Awesome. And so maybe just let's zoom out a little bit and let's look at the industry as a whole. So what are you guys seeing in the space right now? Do you actually see every other company that is maybe in the inscription business or like similar stuff, like actually adopting similar strategies that they're actually like, hey, let's make this as accessible as possible. Obviously, it's not going to go to zero totally because you still need to pay the network fees. But basically, let's make it as accessible as possible. And then we're going to come up with some additional services on the top of that are going to be more value add. And that's basically what's going to make us stand out. So so do you actually see the entire industry kind of going in the same direction, guys? Or how are you looking at it? Yeah, exactly. I think any service or any company is going to need to actually do something new and innovative and 
actually provide additional value above and beyond just taking an image and inscribing it. And I think that's what we're focused on too. With the marketplace especially, we put a lot of effort into making sure that it's a great user experience, that we have like a trustless audited PSBT-based solution where anybody can list. You can list on multiple marketplaces. We've got posts in, uh, to look over our code and make sure it was solid. So I think these are the kind of things that we're focused on doing is like, how can we continue to push the space forward, do things the right way and take feedback from the community and basically push that forward. Awesome. Trevor, please go ahead. I hope you're dry. I got my towel. I'm all dried. I blow dried my hair and I'm back to being a normal person now. I've taken off my my wizard persona here and uh, Billy is, I think, back as well. Billy, can you confirm that was you in the shower with me? Yeah, dude, that was a wet one for sure. All right, cool. And guys, we also have Joshin, the co-founder of Magic Eden up here. So I want to give him a shout out. We're going to be doing a Magic Eden segment at eight o'clock here with more of the team up here. Joshin, how's it going? And how are you guys looking at the inscription fees? Are you guys going to have your launch pad going live for Bitcoin ordinals as well? And just how's it going? How did you enjoy the cringe display at the kickoff of the show? <laughs> Yo, what's up, fellas? I, for a minute there, I was like, man, I need to get home and jump into the bar just to fit in with the guys. <laughs> and I was picking the guys on the team and I was like, shit, is this what usually goes on? Fuck, I need to make a move here. No, I'm super happy, I'm super happy to be here. I really appreciate it, guys. Big shout out to the team who's been working really hard on Get Imagine Eden Marketplace for Ordinals Live. So we launched on Tuesday. It's been amazing. Super appreciative of the community so far. Yeah, we're really pumped. I mean, I echo a lot of the things that have been said. We obviously just launched a marketplace and we have plans to do a bunch more with creators as well. And I think we were the first marketplace to come up with a launch pad uh, back in September 21. And we've been running that on three other chains since then. So we're pretty pumped. And one of the things we're noticing is that every creator we talk to <laughs> who has either worked with us or is thinking about working with us on one of the other chains, the minute you mention Auden, their ears perk up. <laughs> so that makes me very excited to be part of this. And anyway, I won't steal the thunder of the rest of the team. I know we've got a big segment coming up later on, but appreciate being here. Awesome. It's great to have you. And we also have Ethan Janney up here from Outer Edge LA. I just came back from speaking about ordinals at the conference and it was just fantastic. There was a ton of people there, people super excited for, for ordinals. And I think a lot of people just learned today that Bitcoin maximalists are the anti-signal to what's going to take off in the market. And that if you want to get on the train of what's coming next, just look at what Bitcoin maximalists are hating the most. That's a pretty good alpha signal. Yo. Ethan, how's it going on the ground floor at the LA it's Convention going really Center? really right well. I'm actually standing backstage with Matt Medved. He cannot hear you, but he could shout out. What up, GM? Look at that. Wow, I see the Ordinal Show is popping. I see a lot of emojis going down. I can't hear anything, but I can tell that there's a lot of good energy in the building. Right. That was nice. Thanks for representing, folks. Lots of emojis. It was basically silent, just re reverent applause basically going on for you right now, Matt. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, we just presented the Now Pass main stage, NFT LA. I guess they call it Outer Edge now, Outer Edge. And yeah, everybody, tomorrow, mint day, March 23rd, kicking off 10 a.m. Eastern time with phase one. Awesome. How timely. That was not planned, folks. I'm backstage here I'm at the main event. We got Baron Davis on stage with Wax with Waxman, the head of Waxman PR. Really excited about the panelists we got going on. Matt was just up here telling everybody about the Now Pass. I'm just reviewing a really dope video that we're going to play for the last talk featuring Illa, the producer from Yuga Labs. He's a multi-plat producer. I believe it's Grammy nominated. 
And uh, we'll also have representatives from Warner Records and CAA, Creative Artist Management. So yeah, man, it's, it's a really cool event. We're really proud to pull it off. Really quality people. I even saw this uh, Trevor dude walking around. I think, he's, I think he's cool. People told me he's cool. He was going out in the VIP. I couldn't tell whether he stole the pass or, or he got the authority. But uh, I don't know. I met the guy. I give him the, I give him the stamp of approval. I think he's, I think he's, I think he's cool. They let him up on a stage earlier, actually. I hope, I hope he was saying good things. Was that you, Trevor? Were you up on a stage? Did they let you come up on a stage here? That was me, man. I was just telling everyone how ordinals are dead because of the 100K BTC D-God sale and all the exciting secondary action going on. And yeah, I mean, people were convinced. They're like, a 100K sale yesterday. The space is dying. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, yeah, and I did a panel right before you on like science and biology and the blockchain. Just like a huge diversity of things going on here. And really awesome parties. Future Factories got an activation, I think, tonight. We had another one on Monday. I don't know how many people in this space are actually here in L.A. If you are, I guess you're probably attending the event. You know what? I would say if there's anybody here and you're having a little bit of FOMO, if you go to our website, outeredge.live, we do have an online pass where you can review some content from last year and this year. And I'm not directly involved in the production of that, but I do believe some of the some or a great deal of that content could be accessed for free with just provide your email address and break into the community. So if you do have a little FOMO, you're not here in LA, go ahead and check it out. We had the hackathon over the weekend. I've been shilling that for weeks, Trevor. It paid off. We had 200 applicants. We let in 100 and we had we just gave away a $10,000 check on stage yesterday, like one of those gigantic checks. They came up to me afterwards and said, what do we do with this? I said, you cannot cash that. <laughs> it's just a prop, but we will send you we will send you your prize shortly. And that was actually very rewarding to have the hackathon go well. It's really cool. Yeah, and I was just at some cool parties last night. I went to the on-chain monkey party. Shout out to Danny. Danny wasn't there, but he Skyped in like Bill Gates at the Apple conference back in the day. And uh, he, uh, I FaceTimed with him. He let some alpha slip about the upcoming Dimensions Mint. The on-chain monkey community was out in force, and it's looking strong. It was great to be there. They, the, the drink tickets were bananas. I thought that was a nice touch. And then we also went to the Forgotten Runes party after that. Dota, who was a big Ordinal Maxi at the start, there was a great party there. We were pitching Snowfro on Ordinals and telling him, Art Blocks, you got to move that all the way over to ordinals and he was he was considering it he was considering it so maybe not coming anytime soon but at least we got to to give him that pitch there so i mean great events going all around i'm excited to go to some more events after this space here and uh, yeah trevor i missed it did you do a wizard shower is that what you told me you were going to do like i feel like i caught it in the background i was doing some other stuff did you do that or somebody else what was what went down today yeah i, I chickened out last minute did so really? i mean just don't whatever whatever you don't listen to this space again because it didn't <laughs> did happen somebody i felt so, like I, heard so somebody, to- I was like doing some other stuff and like listening halfway i sound like somebody was doing i heard some echoey room and somebody well, i'm about to do this did somebody do it with it Chuck? to be perfectly clear we were at forgotten runes last night trying to convince everyone to take a group wizard shower for the Taproot Wizards. And it was coming off, I don't know. I mean, Snow, Snowfro was not receptive to the idea. He just kept saying, I have zero interest. <laughs> yeah, that is, well, it is the type of thing that certain members of the population would have zero interest in, I have to say. We're environmentalists, okay? <laughs> 
I would say I would have at least a, I'd put at least a 10% interest in that. Just, it's, yeah, I like weird stuff. I'd go, I'd put a 10, I'm not at a zero. All right, Ethan. Well, I think we we should have set up like a shower booth at the at the convention center here. I've been I've said that I will definitely rent out my wizard costume here. I got to dry it now, though. But only three BTC an hour, and I'm such a generous guy that I will film it you on your own phone while you get a wizard shower there. We should just set up a booth there in the the convention Um, center. I think that'd be fun. Be clear, Trevor. I've been talking about this for weeks that we have our land grant program as part of this and i guarantee you that if you pitched that to us we would have made it happen just saying oh just man saying. we thought we dropped the ball on that i mean that's all udi right there udi why didn't you think of that dude totally it's not me it's the wizards i'm literally just here to speak for them they basically send me dms and tell me what to do and i just repeat it on spaces is and, uh, it, go ahead, Ethan. Go ahead. I was going to say, is it true that BitBoy is there with you right now and he's trying to get a Bitcoin D-God over the counter? Who are we talking to? Yes. Oh, okay, that's somebody else, right? I don't know. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. I believe BitBoy was here on one of our uh, breakout stages also, maybe about an hour or two ago. We definitely had Act Influencer panel, standing room only, just recently. A lot of fun. That's awesome, Ethan. So thank you for stopping yeah. by. And for guys yeah. who are in LA, send me a DM. I'll add you to a little group of friends in Ordinals so we can hit up some of the parties and uh, try to get people to baptize themselves into the Tappered Wizards while they still have a chance. I, I may regret to- that. If somebody wants to come here and do a wizard shower between now and the end, our final talk's at 5. I got to host it. I think things are starting to wind down after the end of that, but... And wants to come and do a wizard shower here, I'll try to make it happen. We'll get a hose or something. We'll hose you down. I'm game. I'm game. It's got to be between my obligations, but I'm game to try to make it happen. <laughs> All, right. All right. Well, I know OXFAR is here in L.A. as well, and he was telling me that he's going to do it live on stage at Outer Edge L.A., okay. so we just get you like know, a he's the artist behind the Tappered Wizards. Get like a watering can, and make it, at least we can symbolically make that happen. I'm up for it. I'm up for it. Other people got it. Yeah, or just a bucket, a bu- or just a bucket, just a bucket full of water. I mean, let's, we got to go old school. Got to make it relatively easy to clean up. Not a ha- <laughs> not some type of insurance hazard, but I will throw a cup of water on anyone with a wizard costume. Promise. I promise here, my word. And you can come on stage, and I'll do it. All right, I'll let you guys. I'll let you guys go. Have fun. Thanks for bringing me on, Trevor. Get that now pass. Have a blast. Come here. Do the online stuff. Enjoy yourselves and come here next time we do this thing talk to you guys later enjoy the parties this week awesome thanks so much ethan well guys let's go back to the convo jan do you want to hand it back to you i know cypher you had your hand raised yeah let's get it cypher go ahead can you hear us cypher Can you guys hear me? I can't hear. Is it just me? I got you, Leo. Yeah. All right. Yeah, we can hear you now. Yep. I apologize about that. I reworked a bunch of my tech stack. I was trying to do headphones and a standalone mic. 
and it was evidently just too much for spaces to handle. So I guess we're looping back to the conversation we had a minute ago. I've had a couple like softball questions, easy ones for Jamil to slam out of the park to make their service sound even cooler. First of all, when you say trustless, do you also mean secure? Are you storing users' keys in your local storage, for instance, like other trustless solutions have in the past on the marketplace side? On the inscription side, have you considered PSPT-based reveal transactions? So that way the users pay their own fees. So the only transaction that happens between them and you would be the commit transaction. Yeah, thank, thanks. I, yeah, on the first point, yeah, we we of course never want to be able to see your private keys. We don't want we don't want to have a system where you have to trust that we're managing your keys in the browser or anything like that. And I think that's where everyone in the space wants to get to eventually. But we knew we didn't want to launch with the solution like that. So we're only supporting we're only supporting Hero, Xverse, and web wallets that that basically keep your private keys managed. And that's how virtually every other marketplace works that you're used to on other chains. So we wanted to make sure that we stayed truly trustless, make sure that we're we have the right security model in mind there. And for the inscription service, that's also where we want to get to. It's not like that right now. But as I said, I think the ideal case is that the inscription transaction doesn't happen from our server and doesn't happen from our wallet. It happens from the user's wallet and happens in a user-initiated way where they pay directly and they initiate the transaction directly. So Sai would love to chat after on Discord or something about, about some suggestions on how to make that happen. I think we have a rough idea, but it'd be great to hammer it out and make sure we can we can launch that ASAP once we once we keep iterating on some of the marketplace stuff. Absolutely. I just figured those are two easy slam dunks to demonstrate to people who think like me that you guys are going in a similar direction we are. Then on the fees going to zero thing, I had a quick comment on that. I think this has been the case and everybody has known it's coming since day one. Me and the CEO of OrdSwap sat down two weeks ago and had an hour long talk about it. The concern is we have limited time for the people in this space, Gamma, OrdSwap, now Magic Eden to get their products to a state where people will choose those over an open sea that comes over. Because while these projects are demonstrating their willingness to go to zero on fees, because it's inevitable, a open sea to come across would require them to start doing transactions off-chain and some sort of ledger or custodial solution. And I obviously don't want that. I'm pretty public about being non-custodial and trustless. And furthermore, you guys don't want that because it's harmful to your business model. So I would love to see where we can go on that, how we can make this the best it can possibly be to freeze out people that I don't think will be looking at the best interests of the ecosystem like everyone else here is. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I think there there are different ways to ensure that too. I think when we talk about fees going to zero too. I think it's eventually like just about the value you provide to people and not necessarily a like an inevitability in that like everything in the market goes to zero because that's clearly not the case in 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 web two markets and in the reality of like when we look at the way the economy works right now. People are willing to pay when they feel like they're getting value and when a company provides above and beyond what what's essentially table stakes. And those things will change and adapt over time. But I think there there'll always be a place to have an economy and a market. Otherwise, we don't have a company and we don't have a business. So I, I think we'll see how these things evolve. But I'm pretty confident that we can continue to provide value in a way that people are happy paying a little bit of a fee if we provide a great service. And it's up to the community and to everybody to hold us to the high standards and make sure that we deliver the value that people expect from us.
Super Bowl said. Yeah, sorry, sorry, Trevor. Just wanted to jump in. So I know Eddie and Post. I think Eddie was first. So please go ahead, Eddie. Sure, and I'll be quick. First off, my I'm my audio is okay. Right, it's been acting up today. Okay, great. So I wanted to say two things. I came up while came up while NFTLA was on stage, and I wish I'd known that Ethan was willing to throw cups of water because I'm here, and I would have gladly take some water but i guess i missed that boat but also yeah trevor i'll probably hop in your dms in a bit even though i leave tomorrow so would love to do that also but since i'm on stage might as well ask a question we're talking about the marketplaces i presume from what i've been gathering and i was really impressed by what i've seen so far from people like from magic eden and as well what you guys are doing with gamma but one of the biggest so from what i'm noticing there's a lot like a hell of a lot of competition as it's a basically a blue ocean type opportunity as far as i'm seeing and i'm curious like what what beyond just making a beyond just facilitating trading that is much better than say just a spreadsheet right like you're having a open sea like experience i guess i would say or at least early open sea like experience which is really great i'm curious how far do we think we are from say like a blur type experience where one It's pro trading tools, pro trading type of optionality. And also that's one. And then two, do you guys, what do you guys will think in terms of gaining the network effect that a marketplace would need in terms of, let's say, obviously Blur had a very strong incentivization program, which leads to really strong network effect. And essentially you want to be the type of marketplace where when I look to buy an NFT right now, I just type in blur.io, right? So you want it, you want your website to be the first thing that someone clicks on. So I'm curious, one being how far are we from pro trade type stuff like that? And then two being what if any incentivization programs you thought guys think would work to get the network effect that you guys need? Yeah, I mean, the Magic Eden folks can speak a little bit about this too. I know that, yeah. but from my perspective, when you talk about Blur, the UI, I mean, the UI is essentially like that's all front end stuff, right? Whether it's PSBT or whether it's on ETH or whether it's smart contracts or whether it's on Solana, you basically can replicate a similar experience in terms of the UI, like whether it's tables or real-time views or whatever the speed speed considerations are, although that's somewhat different on Bitcoin versus ETH and Solana with the Blur and Tensor. When it comes to incentivization, I think that's where you start to hit some of the uh, the limits of Bitcoin's functionality in terms of in terms of doing that in like a trustless on-chain way. I don't really see any way to do that unless there's a token standard for Bitcoin with like colored coins or something. And even then, it's you're going to hit the limits of what you can do with the with transaction state pretty quickly in Bitcoin script. I'm sure you could do something off chain with keeping a ledger of transactions or something like that and then incentivizing that way. But I, I don't feel like that sort of stuff is in the spirit of and I mean, it's debatable, right? It means different things to different people. But going back to the original point, I think like people... What we're focused on is like building the best product possible. And that's really our priority. And we think that like doing a small marketplace fee for that, the ecosystem may evolve in the way that it'll evolve. But I think people are willing to pay that if they get a great user experience, get a great front end, get a great trading experience. And we really just want to focus on providing value rather than trying to bribe our users to use our platform, right? We want you to use the platform because you love using the platform. All right, fair enough. I appreciate the answer. And I'll be checking you guys out because especially I've got a sappy ordinal that I need to be burning come soon. So I'm going to need some way of managing it properly. Will do. Good talks, guys. And I'll pop down with this and make some space. Yo, Eddie, before we pop down, we do have Josh in here from oh. Magic Eden as well. So Josh, do you want to add to that? 
Yeah, <clears throat> Eddie, thanks for the question. Man, a question on everyone's lips, right? Everyone's always, at the moment, at least top of mind is incentives. I think the first thing I would say is that it it all depends a little bit on what are the use cases that end up forming on, on ordinals. And I say that because we've now, Magic Eden's live on, this is our fourth chain. And for example, I'll, I'll throw a very extreme example. Polygon, it's full of like gaming projects and free mints and like lots of items and really cheap items, that kind of stuff. And that necessitates a different kind of product experience. And there's a reason that pro trade hasn't really taken off there yet, right? Whereas on Ethereum, it's had these pretty standard like collectibles, PFP collections all around the similar size, trending towards fungible tokens, basically. And there's a reason it took off there first. And I think on Solana, a similar thing is true. On Ordinals, I feel like it's still this notion of like premium, like collectibles, artifacts, that kind of stuff. And I'm not even sure today, and this may not, I may eat my words at some point, but I'm not even sure today that people necessarily want like a pro, a super pro experience. I think people are just generally trying to discover like what and like what to create and what the community wants. So I think the first thing that we have to think about is let's let maximal experimentation from creators. And if you do that, then the market will evolve and whatever product ends up being necessary to meet that need will end up coming to the fore. I think for us, yeah, we've obviously thought a lot about incentivization and not specifically for ordinals, but just in general as like across NFTs and across all the chains. And I think and this, I'm get, maybe getting a little bit off topic on this, but I'll just share my perspective in case people are interested. I think that it's really easy today to narrow the focus to really try and cater for that top hunter trader type, type archetype of a user, right? Really easy to focus on that because they're the users that are remaining and are doing a lot of high volume. But if you think about where, like what actually moves the needle over a long period of time, and I think the people that are building both here and on other chains, like the serious people, are, this is like a 10 year time horizon minimum kind of thing. So we are more in the business of trying to, number one, like really understand the users and the economy that lives around Magic Eden. And for us, it's we work with big creators, we bring them onto the platform, we help them launch, we help onboard their users. We then introduce them to the Magic Eden ecosystem. They then discover new projects and discover new collections. And that whole thing repeats. That That is something we've always prided ourselves on, whether it's gaming, whether it's collectibles, whether it's access passes, whether it's like Tomorrowland, the music festival, it doesn't matter, right? It's all, it all is always in that, that sort of flywheel. And that's the really important flywheel because that that's the thing that brings in the most number of users into the NFT ecosystem. And for us, we think that there's a ton that we can do from a product standpoint and in terms of incentivizing people's behaviors, even without a token and even without like hard incentives like that. So we're experimenting with a bunch of things around like, hey, let's try and get our community a bunch of whitelist spots, right? So we ran this Mint Madness campaign on, on Polygon this month where we had 12, 12 gaming launches and we had 200,000 people register and we got a bunch of those people whitelist spots into those mints. And that, that's just fun. It's like, let's bring back the fun into NFTs. And I, that's a premise behind us even doing ordinals because 
you know, it was like a grassroots kind of thing that our company, people in the company were just like, man, this is really fun again. <laughs> and let's bring that back. So anyway, long-winded way of saying, we don't know yet. I think incentives are interesting. There's ways to do it without aping into a hard incentive like a token. And, you know, let's just build some sh- build some cool shit, let people come and use it. And I think the people here will build what's necessary for to grow the space. And then I'll just say this real quick, because I know Post has a question. I don't want to over say my welcome with that. Real fast follow-up. You said that you don't think that the, excuse me for my voice, rough out here. You said that the community probably doesn't, at least at the moment, desire like a pro trade tool. But I will say this, like at some point someone will build it. And I'm just curious, do you think that the presence of that being, of that existing will change people's minds in some way? Or what are your thoughts on that? Because obviously that eventually came to Ethereum and that did change a lot of the mentality around trading on Ethereum. I'm wondering if that, if you think that would be mirrored on Bitcoin in any capacity. Yeah, I honestly don't really have a view on this yet. I think it's a little bit too early to say, mainly because this room is still trying to build some of the fundamental infrastructure. <laughs> like the like Jamil was talking about, yeah, let's like let's get build the best inscription tools. <laughs> I buy that. That's dope. We should do that. Yeah, maybe it trends towards pro, maybe not. I think in the, let's play this out on a long enough time horizon, do I believe that like on every every chain, every NFT market that's going to be pro trading tools? Yeah, pro- probably. Yeah. But I think that's more driven by the fact that there's assets that or items that, that are, it's more suitable to trade with a pro trading experience. There's a reason I think you don't have, this is a very extreme example, but super rare is not going to build a pro trade. Like the high end collectibles market is not going to have a pro trade experience. But at some point, do we expect firms or pro trade on, on Polygon or order? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think that's totally possible on a long enough time horizon. But I feel like, at least for us, can't speak for the other teams here, but Magic Eden, we're not really letting that cloud the what's needed today. Because I think in any kind of zero to one, let's get things going, define product market fit kind of situation, it's, yo, let's like take this from first principles. And first principles is let's just talk to a lot of users, get in the community, be in Discord a lot, be on Twitter a lot, listen to people, and let's build some stuff that people actually need. And that's definitely how we approach at least building on Solana, where, yeah, at the beginning, it, man, it wasn't really clear. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, I, didn't, I also didn't know what was going to happen there. But the thing that really took off was, yeah, like this launchpad thing that that we weren't originally planning to build that, but minting was so hard because, yeah, Rust and all the stuff was super hard for a lot of people. That's what we built and ended up being the right thing. And I think that's the that's a similar kind of approach, like first principles, let's talk to users and yeah, whatever comes after that. I don't think we should speculate too far ahead and let that cloud what the community really needs. Well, thank you for the answers, guys. You guys are both plus follows and Trevor, great space. This is really enlightening. Enlightening. All of all, you guys. Pose, do you want to jump in? I know you're waiting for a long time. Please yeah, no, this is this has all been very great to listen to. And really I would second like a lot of the stuff that's been said. Like I'll like to circle back to some of the stuff that Cypher touched on and then how the conversation kind of unpacked from there. I've had the pleasure of being in communication with several of the teams working on a lot of different things. And I really think that we're watching sort of a second mouse gets the cheese kind of scenario unpack to a certain extent. The teams that rushed in and made some decisions that we've all shared our criticisms a million times at this point about they made some decisions to cut corners to get first to market. And now we're seeing like really like well-intentioned, well-engineered, well-thought-out applications, right? Like the application layer on Bitcoin is maturing quickly. 
And I'm like, I'm personally like really impressed with how fast things have moved thus far and really hopeful for how fast they're going to continue to move. The pro trading tools stuff, like I've provided a couple of briefs to this up to this point on ways that these can be addressed. Certain features that I think more sophisticated actors in the space are probably going to enjoy a lot. I look forward to those being there. I do think that at the end of the day, the, the accessibility and ease of UX is like the first thing to address. And a lot of that comes down to being really sensitive about transaction form- formatting and what, how you're signing transactions transactions, how you're building transactions. To that regard, there's some differences in the way that I won't get too nerdy into it, but there's some differences in the way that like Magic Eden and Gamma are approaching this. And they're not differences that would make any sort of difference to security to a user. Like they're both going to work very well, but this is what we've been speaking to up to this point, right? There's going to be really heavy rates of iteration and improvement in UX and implementation in the application layer. We're going to constantly see things get better. And this kind of competition of good actors in the space drives drives innovation. That's how we do it. Maintaining diverse incentives, having a lot of different data providers, having a lot of different marketplaces, having a lot of different wallet, that is a healthy ecosystem. That is how you run this thing well. And I'm just like, kudos, kudos to both teams. Like it's been a pleasure talking with both of you, pleasure working with both of you. And I'm very hopeful about what we see in the near future. Awesome. Sai, please jump in. Yeah, he touched on how we're going to use PSBTs and how it's slightly different between each thing. I feel like this is important to acknowledge these teams doing it slightly differently are going to enable a future where features can be different on individual marketplaces. So let's say Magic Eden wants to do optional royalties, right? Well, because these PSBTs can be shared between marketplaces in the future, so they each have a more robust uh, listing set of listings, if you were to sign the PSBT on Magic Eden with the optional fees, then that would mean that, or the optional royalties, that means that all the others that take that PSBT now respect your optional royalties. So I think you'll see things that more hardcore tech-minded people would say, oh, these aren't enforceable, become soft, socially enforceable constructs by a side effect of all these platforms using PSBTs. And that's really exciting to see that we're going to have more diversity of involvement from services. That's an awesome comment, Sai. Actually, Leo, do you wanna do you wanna take it away? Unless somebody has any other comment on this segment and on this topic, maybe we can move to the next one because I think we have a few more things to cover. Yeah, so we've got a few more topics to cover here in the next maybe thirty minutes or so before we do the magic eat in bit. So, yeah, this is. I'll just leave this open ended. If you want to comment, please raise your hand. Otherwise, we can go through it probably pretty quickly here. But it's, it just felt like a headline that we should cover. So the Bitcoin apes. So this is the 10,000 Board Ape Yacht Club images. People are essentially <laughs> inscribing the byte perfect images to Bitcoin via the Ordinals protocol. And they have done now two thirds of these. I think over half a million dollars has already been spent inscribing. It's a it's essentially a free met, right? So this is very similar to the Bitcoin punks. Disclaimer, I told the Bitcoin punks, which are like the like kind of first iteration of this model. I don't hold any of these Bitcoin apes, but it does look like they're going to mint out here. They're already selling on secondary marketplaces for higher than it costs to inscribe. So you're basically seeing arbitrage kicking in. And yeah, basically just this trend of some people like it, some people don't, but basically the first to inscribe something that becomes the official one. We've already seen this with the dot sats, with BRC20, with Bitcoin punks. 
And now we're seeing it with Board API Club. And it's pretty wild that the, when this is all said and done, it'll be a million dollars spent. Roughly a quarter of all fees spent inscribing will have been these board apes simply because the files are so much larger than like the pixel art, the 24 by 24 pixel WebP files of a punk that's like very tiny. These are actually like pretty high resolution. Some of them are like 200 kilobytes to get your board ape yacht club inscribed. So if anybody has thoughts on that, raise your hand and we can definitely discuss a little more. But I felt like it was just something to call out. Otherwise, we can hop to the next segment, Jan. Okay, Danny, let's hear what you got. Well, I mean, it's interesting what they're doing, but what will be enabled for future creators, for future generative art creators, including PFP projects, is that they could do that at a much lower cost and also at a easier provenance level. Basically, the collection, basically collections are coming out in Ornos Protocol pretty soon. And that allows you to create a collection ordinal, which kind of marks the collection, and then all the parts of the collection are the child ordinal. But the, the, actually, another cool thing that's coming out will be basically inscriptions that reference other inscriptions and some programmability that's built into the protocol. So you could actually do a generative collection like Bordeaux Club, where you, like Bordeaux Club, right, when they generate it, the 10,000, they use a letter set, maybe 200 images that they combine to make the 10,000. So you could store the 200 and generate the 10,000 from the pieces in ordinals in the future. Not yet. It's not really yet, but I mean, that, that will be possible in the future. So you could actually, instead of spending a million bucks or however much they're spending, it could be like $5,000. Danny, I'm going to put you on the spot here for a second. How much money do you estimate could be saved by using this? Like, obviously there's still some moving parts here. You're right. We need to get the specification for referencing other inscriptions in an inscription. But theoretically, how much money could be saved here if they did it through the model that you guys are pioneering at Onchain Monkey? So let's say there's 200 images that are needed to generate the board of Yaclip. So that's basically 200 instead of 10,000. So it's 50x. So it's 2% of the cost. Wow. So $20,000 versus a million dollars. <laughs> that is definitely not a small amount of money. All right. Well, I'm very much looking forward to seeing this all get moved forward. I know it's still at the like kind of development specification level. Lots of I've seen you on GitHub, on-chain monkey developers on GitHub trying to push this forward. It's obviously it all sounds like a win-win for everybody. So very much looking forward to some sort of specification coming out and these pieces coming together where we can bring this reality to life. Robert, welcome up. So for people who don't know Robert, his team came up with the Bitcoin punks model that is now being emulated by Bitcoin apes. Robert, how do you feel about more people inscribing with this first to inscribe equals the real one model? Yeah, I I really, and yeah, great to be up here. Thanks, Leonidas. Uh, yeah, it's interesting to see some follow-on projects. I think what's crazy here is Galaxy Digital put out a paper on this a few weeks ago saying, hey, what would it actually cost? And crazy to see it actually was manifested into into existence here someone threw up another website disclaimer i'm not involved in this project i'm just watching it but the craziest statistic here is that now out of the entire 466 gigabyte bitcoin blockchain the entire history of bitcoin now a gigabyte or 0.2 percent of the chain is people minting these these ordinals so i thought that was an interesting statistic that came out of this thing so far that's pretty nuts. That is pretty wild. To be honest, I read that Galaxy paper like a month ago and 
to be honest, I was just like, no way, no way they do the apes. That's just, these files are insanely large. It just doesn't economically make sense, but never, never doubt the DGENs, I guess. I think Eli, you had your hand up and then we'll go to Billy the Netty. Yeah, I guess my main point was regardless of the fact that they're the, that they're the apes and the file size, etc., is that all of these things, I guess, are healthy for ordinals because the market's going to decide. And as you mentioned, if they're all, if there's already been arbitrage, people are paying more for it on secondary than it's costing to mint. Then that's just bringing more Bitcoin transactions and helping to bring more people to Bitcoin and further secure the network. So I see all of these sorts of, I guess, quote unquote experiments as healthy. And then, yeah, Robert, hats off to what you did. I can see you throwing some hundreds there. So yeah, basically pioneering that sort of thing, I think is healthy for this whole ordinals movement, if you want to call it that. 100% agree. We are very pro-experimentation here on The Ordinal Show. The prior kind of Bitcoin maxi culture was that experimentation is bad. I think ordinals are the nail in the coffin here. The experimentation is a good thing. When you just visualize, conceptualize a single product in your head and just assume that you're going to take that to market and it wins, that's not how innovation occurs, right? Innovation occurs because a thousand different Developers are trying like the craziest stuff ever. Almost all of it's going to fail, but a few of those things end up being massive innovations. That's what we need. That's the culture that needs to come back to Bitcoin and basically bring it to new heights. So, yeah, I think, Billy, you are up next and then Eddie. Yeah, officially dry over here now. Man, I had I had mixed feelings at first regarding the Bitcoin punks and now we're seeing the apes. But I think they've grown on me because surely it's very cumbersome if one entity was going to inscribe all of these, especially at the file sizes. And they probably were going to do that. And then a dev told them, no, you can't afford these upfront costs. So they essentially outsourced it and it forced them to be more democratic or decentralized in the process. And to me, that is like very much... Bitcoin as far as the distribution. I don't know what it was per. It sounds like it was a lot. I don't know. Maybe I'm not going to do public math. But when it's just one person inscribing something, it's not as hefty. Essentially, that is the entry cost. That's the mint. And then, I don't know. It's really grown on me, this kind of setup. At first, I was like, no, why are we just putting high-value NFT projects from Ethereum over to Bitcoin? We need fresh, new, original stuff. But we knew it was going to happen. But it's really grown on me. I like the model because over time you're killing value from the ground up and there is that barrier. And we were explaining to a lot of people over Outer Edge this week, just like the upfront cost is enough friction to, I don't know, put people's, I guess their intention in the right direction, right? It cuts out a lot of scammers. And I think that kind of barrier makes you think, well, why is it so valuable to be on Bitcoin? And I feel like you find the answer pretty quickly. Many excellent, good, very good points there, Billy. I, I've thought about this a lot as well, and I go back and forth, and I think I, I agree with a lot of what you said there. Eddie, you're up, and then Adam, you're next. As, a, as an ETH trader, though, I will say this does feel to me just like a another derivative, and that puts a bad taste in my mouth. I will say, though, two, two, two notes, two notes. One, with now two 10,000 plus, or well, not 2,000, 10,000 plus, but two 10,000 collections, and larger collections starting to appear on Bitcoin. I will say this is actually why I bring up things like the pro trading, because I would be interested in seeing how these things move on, on secondaries, because on ETH, a lot of the NFTs, like we was said earlier, tend to basically just trade exactly like altcoins. And you can actually do things like add, add fibs to their charts. And people have done so pretty successfully. 
But it's just something that's on my mind is something that's interesting. But I will say this, as for the first to mint the first to mint mechanism, when I was the first thinking about it, I was like, well, I don't see what else this is good for other than just which stating which derivative is the real derivative. But it would be interesting to see the kind of mechanisms people can do in terms of let's say because okay, here, let me like lay out an example. Um, let's say you have a big collection. Actually, I'll just use the Tapper Wizards as like a as a as an example. I doubt this is the mechanism, but it's a possibility. Let's say you take all twenty five hundred or so of the Tapper Wizard images, put them out there, and just say, "Here, the first person to mint each of the respective images is the person who gets that like piece." And I'm interested in seeing how that would perform in terms of new and actually like genuinely interesting collections rather than i mean i'm just i'm personally against or not against but i'm just not too enthused by what are they called i just i said the word earlier derivatives, derivatives. Right? Oh, exactly so i'm curious to see if, how this would work into as a potentially new or different way of minting and a minting process but it's something worth watching at least in my end yeah just to layer on that my question to danny would be like with this, I saw this coming. I was like, man, this would, apes just obviously make sense if the punks already happened. But Danny, is there a way to use kind of your gas efficiency, but yet still have a public claimable where I can go and do it? I mean, these things were running. I checked. It was like 80 to 100 bucks to, to inscribe these. So would there be a way, Danny, for a centralized team to come up with this? kind of strategy like you're talking about, but yet still allow for the public. Oh, totally. I mean, you're talking about distribution, right? How to distribute anything, NFTs in particular. And people have been working on that on Ethereum and other chains for a while. And now we're discovering on Bitcoin. And also Bitcoin has some special things like PSBTs, which are specific to Bitcoin that actually can be powerful. But just for this way of distribution, people who are miners or very technical have a big advantage. They could just mint 1,000 apes at a time, right? So it's, it's also, is not the best distribution and people will have better ways to distribute nfts on bitcoin robert would you like to so eddie was alluding to an experience that's better suited for the 10k size large collections i was wondering if you could just because you're obviously the founder of ordinals market and this is where the primary volume for these two large collections bitcoin apes and bitcoin punks has occurred could you maybe explain a little bit about what y'all are doing there and like maybe why you think these sorts of collections are being preferred there? Yeah, I think it really comes down to the collection size in this case. When you're dealing with like maybe say a 12 fold or something, the collectors are typically doing a lot more research, finding all the right attributes. They're spending a lot of money typically. So I think for kind of these smaller, well, smaller market cap projects, the free mints, people are just looking to degen them. And that's why on Ordinals Market, we enable trading of the Ordinals in terms powered by Emblem Vault. So it allows the user to trade them back and forth really quickly. And frankly, it's a lot of the degeneracy that's enabled for that. So that's what we've seen. Nice. That totally makes sense. Udi and then Post. Yeah, I just heard that people were talking about the challenge of distributing inscriptions to the community. And it is a big challenge. Like, how do you prevent like a small minority of people from getting all of the all of the inscriptions in a collection. You make sure that you build the right community. It is difficult. And I just wanted to plug that we finally found the solution, which is to have people take showers on video and post it on Twitter. That That is actually apparently a great way to 
distribute inscriptions. And I believe like that you're going to see like a lot of airdrops on Ethereum doing the same. I heard that Arbitrum is going to change the airdrop plans and they're going to do a shower list instead of the current kind of transaction farming plan that they had on Arbitrum. So that's really cool. I think that's going to be like a staple of the industry, to be honest. We really appreciate you introducing this innovation of proof of shower to the crypto ecosystem, Moody. Looking forward to, jokes aside, I actually was going to do a segment on this and maybe we can do it at another point, but it it is interesting to, I don't know, like someone would have to be really trying to like essentially farm even 25 of, you'd have to really, yeah, I don't even know exactly how you do it, but it would not be easy. So I think it'll be cool to see you guys have a 2,200, 2,121 supply collection And it's looking, you'll probably have about 2,121 holders potentially on day one, which is a pretty, pretty awesome feat if you're able to even get close to that. So, so quite impressed, impressed you post. Sorry, post. I just want to jump in on this point, Leonidas, and actually Udi can speak to that because we were in a space with the community in China around ordinals and they were actually sharing a story that there are some people really trying to farm this. So there are people hiring people to take showers for them and submitting like 30 different videos and stuff like that so leonidas it's actually happening wow i mean again i maybe we shouldn't have this conversation until 24 hours from now when the showers close duty but uh, yeah i'm sure you have your work cut out for you filtering the real and fake showers there's a bunch of people like on on youtube and a lot of these kind of websites especially back when they started started out like they had staff on hand that was just going through all of the user-generated content, making sure people don't upload like videos with penises or whatever. They had to watch every single YouTube video <laughs> and make sure that nothing wrong gets through. So that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah, and then they also, they didn't have to apologize to the partner in every tweet for putting them through the uh, filming process though, Udi. So I don't know, like you, you're uh, taking it a step further here. I think Post, did you have your hand up or? Yeah, no, UD is actually bang on. Like they, the use of quests in the mint for the Taproot Wizards is, it's a choice that you make, right? Like in the way that you design your mint, it's a, it's something that the application layer chooses to do that improves the outcome of the event. Now, can we ever, if you want to get into it, it's a civil resistance mechanism, right? That's what you're doing. You're implementing a way to prevent one person from pretending to be many people. And there's like qualities of strength in this, right? Like some civil resistance is very strong. Some is very weak. Maybe you can't stop these guys from hiring fiber kids to make shower videos, but you can at least implement a cost to it and improve it. And as an abstract, as a generalization, like if you're a creator or a developer and you're developing tools for this ecosystem, being really attentive to the choices that you make in the application layer can promote the overall health of the entire ecosystem. And these aren't really like new challenges. We saw a lot of this in Ethereum, like as smart contract tooling and practices improved over time, like we we reduced the amount of surface that say, we were talking about a moment ago, you were hinting at preferential transaction ordering, where like a miner might structure the block in such a way that they get all the transactions. There are ways that those things can be mitigated And in Ethereum, it really reminds me of early smart contracts in Ethereum where people used to, they would use the timestamp in the block as like a source for randomness. And the miner can lie about the timestamp to a certain degree. So they could like skew the randomness in their favor and they could extract value from that event. And it was up to Solidity developers to learn, oh, don't do that because the miner will juice my event, right? 
And so, yeah, if the application layer is sensitive to these things and thinks about them, you can very quickly improve away from these. Post, you never cease to amaze me with how you're able to take something and turn it into the most nerdy, technical-sounding explanation possible. I appreciate having you on this show. I think you were well, Yudi's, Yudi's here to turn the technical stuff into <laughs> wizard showers, so we'll make it through. Danny, go for it. Oh, boy. Yeah, the YouTube thing got me thinking. Actually, we used to do AI and computer vision many years ago, and I had a company that we did. This was when DigiFlow took off, and I, actually, I was training models to detect nudity and porn, veggie porn. I was working on porn detection back in the day. But anyway, that was off topic. What I wanted to comment on was that the Ornos protocol is going to support group showers soon. That's something they're working on. So what I mean by that is that in, in a single transaction, you can actually inscribe multiple Ornos, right? That's going to be also another scalability thing. And it'll be pretty awesome for creators when they do want to distribute, let's say, a thousand piece. Or even like, for example, when 12fold wanted to distribute their 300, right? They could have done it in one transaction soon in the future, maybe in a few months, maybe even just one month. So that would be pretty cool. And with the Wizards, you could do like the group shower, right? You have a thousand people all sharing together in that transaction. Yeah, I'm very excited. There's clearly many ways we can optimize still. I saw the generative.xyz guys. They released their sweeping functionality today, which basically just allows you to buy 10 ordinals via one PSBT transaction. And uh, I just feel like there's a lot of like low hanging fruit still out there where we've just got, a, we've got a lot of optimization left to do here and lots of work to do. These are all really, these all sound like just super obvious things that we have to do. It's just a matter of prioritization, I guess. Robert. Yeah. So there's a lot with these more unique, interesting minting or description mechanisms that are coming into the fray. I mean, BRC20, I think, is another example of a great experiment here. And I think we'll see more like protocols, if you will, come to ordinals. What I mean by that is you'll inscribe a set of rules for the mint. Maybe it's a certain balance or a whitelist. And you'll have this layer below ordinals that will parse the history of the transactions and determine what a collection looks like based on a set of rules that are governed by a, pr a previously inscribed inscription. So I think BRC is definitely, uh, BRC20 is one to watch, and I'm sure there'll be more like interesting inscription group sort of participation mechanisms that will come with a similar kind of strategy. Yep, I agree with that as well. We, we've been in this game for two months now, and there's already been, I don't know, like every week there's at least two or three pretty like wild experiments that happen. So I think we're just going to keep seeing people push the boundaries. We've already seen this trend of text has overtaken images as the primary inscription type by number of inscriptions, not necessarily file size. Text files are extremely small, but these are trends that are just like continuing to evolve. So yeah, I don't know. It'll be extremely interesting to look back retroactively a year from now and see where we're at. Cypher. Yeah, he brought up ERC-20. This is a pet peeve of mine. The only way these meta protocols move forward is if ones that are not appropriate to be inscriptions understand that the envelope can be very quickly redesigned to better fit their end purpose while also reducing their overall costs to put the data on chain. I assume this is where Post was going when he had his hand up. So a lot of this is very early. BRC20 in its current form if we still have this a year from now, we fail. As a development community, if we're still inscribing them with the ORD envelope, we screwed up somewhere and we need to very much take an introspective moment to look back if we're still doing this a year from now. 
Coast, would you like to add on to that? Yeah, I mean, second it. I want to second it really heavily. So Domo, we, we had Domo on the show, right? We talked to him. I think like his experiment is really interesting, and I really look forward to working with him on iterating and improving. The current implementation is, for a plurality of reasons, not good and not going to last. And Domo, like Domo knows this. Domo acknowledges it. If you go to his uh, Git book on it, at the very top, it says these will be worthless, right? So I do look forward to the iteration. I do think we're going to see better versions. And a big thing that a lot of de- developers are going to be belligerent about, like just I'll bet you whatever you want on this, is they're going to keep trying to build solutions into the ORD envelope that really need to use a different envelope. And to save everybody all the technical minutia, let's just leave it at the developers who acknowledge how much more efficient the proto, the meta protocol can be if you isolate these things are going to wind up smoking those products. And we're going to see this. There's 10 more lined up that I'm personally aware of that like the developers are being very stubborn about acknowledging this. And it's going to be, to be honest with you, it's going to be very funny to watch them refuse to acknowledge that they have to, they're going to have to extend the client anyway. And so they should probably just do it in a different envelope and they're going to stumble over themselves because they've got it in their head that if you do it in the Ord envelope, it'll be a more popular product. But at the end of the day, it won't be a technically viable product and it will fail in comparison to the better products that emerge. So if you're focused on that stuff, if you're working on that stuff, take it to heart and give it a lot of thought. Envelope is very easily changed. You can do literally hundreds of other meta protocols by disambiguating that envelope. And there's going to be a huge action space for this. It would not surprise me at all if there's a billion dollar industry in the works for like alternate uses of the envelope. Interesting. Yeah. I can't go toe to toe with you here technically post, but I do know that like counterparty is already like a billion dollar protocol. There's a billion dollars of value stored on Bitcoin layer one through this nine-year-old fungible token protocol that people have hacked into non-fungible tokens. So I do agree, like Bitcoin layer one is ultimately the canvas and it's up to us to use that correctly. Danny. Yeah, I, I, told, I just want to start the point of random post. Envelope is really powerful. And what we're doing, actually what we're doing with parent-child is really in that envelope frame. But I also want to point out that even the ordinal envelope is bigger than what people are thinking about it right now because you're going to have recursion coming out. You're going to have parent shower coming out. You're going to have inscriptions that can reference other inscriptions in recursion come out. These things are really powerful and they're all within the ordinal envelope, right? So you actually get a lot of creators who can create much more powerful things all within ordinals and you don't need to make changes to client. But to post point, when you do make changes to client, you can do even more powerful things. And you're not at the mercy of, I guess, the, everyone else agreeing. Awesome. So I think with that, we can wrap the segment up. So Jan, would you like to take it away with maybe a final segment here about the BTC DGOD sale that we saw? 100%. And I'm super happy that we have ZK here because ZK is the legend and also the man that is running or co-running the D-Desk, where all the action has been happening over the past couple of days. And so, yeah, ZK, actually, I would love to turn to you. Can you comment on what's happening in the Bitcoin D-Gods ecosystem? We saw the mint price was 0.333. And then now, last time I checked on Magic Eden just recently, it was around one BTC floor. And we also saw that incredible... 100k sale of the rare d god so can you just comment on what's happening what's the energy 
and yeah, where we're headed from here. I appreciate the intro. Yeah, now it's nice to get back on Twitter after being in the DDS metaverse for the last six days. I actually thought today was Thursday all day until an hour ago. But yeah, it's been, it's really good. It is really cool to see the price activity just rise. I think between me and Chartfu, we've serviced like over 1,600 tickets. I think we're probably over $3 million in total volume traded. Knock on wood, not one address sent to the wrong location. As far as no, no one's out any Bitcoin or any NFTs. So I think it's going well. I would say the biggest surprise is each ticket literally takes two hours, an hour, in the sense that people are not used to Bitcoin's block time or that constraint, especially when they're coming from Salon East. So it's a lot of like panic in the first two, three minutes. Hey, why is this not in my wallet yet? And then explaining how the mempool works to them is always interesting. But yeah, D-Gods are embracing it. It's really cool. It's honestly interesting to see how it's trading. There's only 535 of them. So the way I value it is if that was like a mythic trait, but now it, people are trading mythics plus half a Bitcoin for a one Bitcoin D-God. The floor is right now is about one Bitcoin. And yeah, the highest sale was 100K. That was last night, Was I think it was. And yeah, it's just been really cool. I think a lot of D-Gods are asking about other ordinal collections, asking about what best wallet is. And as far as like feedback, as far as I think like the best CEOs are the customer service agents, it's have a good idea. A lot of people have to get comfortable with just viewing stuff on chain while the APIs related to ordinals are shoddy, at least infrastructure, because the biggest kind of consumer or like problem where people just, you know, hearts dropping if they saw the ordinal in their wallet and then 20 minutes later it wasn't there and panicking. So it's like definitely talking people through that process and just explaining how an escrow process works. I'm happy to dive into it if you want, but yeah. And then it's awesome to see like ChartFu and working with Magic in the sense where uh, there's liquidity everywhere. At the end of the day, it's like just trying to help people get the D-gods they want. Yeah. And it's just obviously there is a level of trust involved, which, you know, Hopefully, as the ecosystem, we move towards permissionless and trustless. I think that's what everyone wants here. But for right now, while there's no kind of major audited wallets out there and infrastructure is still shoddy, I think this is like a pretty good solution. And it's also a great time. Like everyone's having fun. So it reminds like I, I'm by background, I'm a trader, like securities trader, 57. I used to trade oil. Yes. So it's like I actually never thought I'd be using financial licenses to be trading like the gods in a discord. So. Definitely a lot of like self-reflection has been a weird time the last week, but yeah, super fun. And uh, yeah, I haven't really slept too much uh, rambling, but happy to answer any questions. Thanks so much, ZK. And I see Sai, do you want to comment on, do you want to, do you want to just contribute to the conversation? Yeah, real simple. First of all, huge congratulations to everybody that's working on D-Gods. I guess it's D-DAO, right, is the correct phrase. You did touch on it. It's trustless and custodial. I will probably write something negative about it on Twitter. You all know how I am about this. But with that said, I think addressing the secondary market sales and the massive increase in value, the appreciation, it's important to acknowledge that it was launched in a way that enabled this. So it was launched with a price below what it would sell for to more people than could buy them, which is a guaranteed recipe for them appreciating in value. And then I'm not convinced that this white glove trading service, D-Desk, D-God's trading desk, isn't a meaningful factor in this. When you're buying an asset that's worth a third of a Bitcoin, having a concierge there to guide you through the process is probably a huge factor for some of these people who, as you said, don't even know how the mempool works. They're new to this and you're 
you're educating a group of people that I may not have been able to educate because they would have never come in the order but they're there with you and you guys are helping them do something that they would have never considered otherwise. And I'm really appreciative of that. Yeah. And ZK, feel free to jump in, but I just want to yeah. really thank you so much for this point. Si. I think this is really important because what we have even seen in our ecosystem, obviously, even though we try super hard to educate everyone, but it's still so new that like more education is needed. And so what ZK and the entire team are doing, I think this is incredible and super important. So yeah, I just wanted to also say thank you for that. Yeah, no, and I don't take any of this stuff personal. I wanna, I'm here to make ordinals like the best I can, and that's why I'm talking a lot, kind of sharing experience, and think we're all here together. But I wanted to say the other aspect of this that's super important that I forgot about because it's more around mint or not so much today. Still waiting on a few transactions to clear the mempool, but it's I was in a ticket today. Someone minted two of them. They barely. It was the first time they touched Bitcoin in three years. It was the first NFT they ever bought. They were saying. They used to just trade like altcoins, I guess. And uh, they minted them. They got lucky. And it was actually one of the guys that minted like an ape skin D-God. And he sold it for, I believe, 2.6 Bitcoin. And I was in the ticket and they were negotiating for two, three hours. I'm being out, helped them set up an X first wallet. And yeah, so anyway, but he sold it. And then I was like, so what are you going to do with the cash, man? Congrats. And I was like, did you mint it? He's a man, to be honest, this is changing my life. Like I'm paying off my loans and going to go party on vacation. Then I think about the early days of ETH. It's what actually onboarded people. It was not necessarily like the attributes of the chain or the speed. It was like MoonPay paying fucking Justin Bieber to, to post that he got a board ape. And when you see like a sale, like 100K and you get people like retail excited, not that we just want to encourage like gambling per se, but I think people are actually excited and respect the fact that it was inscribed in one block. And it's related to a community already, which is like a, obviously something that D-Gods has that not everyone has. But yeah, so I think like it's just a beautiful time to be in Ordinals and watch this develop. And I'm seeing a lot of repeat buyers in the next couple of days. People want activity. And the last thing that's really interesting is out of the 535, I think as of yesterday, there was 450 unique owners, which for a collection, especially even on the fine art side of it, is a very high unique owner collection. So it's saying there's like a kind of a widespread of interest. It's not like one whale just collecting these things, even after kind of the mint when there was only one wallet, I was monitoring some of it on chain. But yeah, it's been nothing cool. So ZK and Trevor, I need to put you on spot because I remember when we were discussing right after mint, Trevor, you were throwing some collection bits around. So, so ZK, have you seen Trevor in the D-Desk yet? Are you guys working on something there? Yeah, so it's the DDoS policy. I don't I talk about the clients' specific trade bids publicly. Love it. No, I, I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, Trevor's been in there. Trevor actually ignored my uh, Discord at the ticket's still open. Trevor at 9 a.m. I had a sick beard for him. Good deal. If you're not in the, it goes down to the Discord tickets. That's all I got to say. If you're not there, you're going to miss the deal. But yes, yeah, got tickets for anyone. Got plenty of D-Gods. <laughs> That's awesome, awesome, guys. Yeah, I just want to say that D-Gods are going to zero. Please sell them to me as soon as possible because they're going to zero guys. So you don't want to be left holding the bag. Give me your bag instead. Uh, I'm happy to take one for the team there. And the, oh, the last thing I did want to mention is that I'm not like necessarily trying to compete with any volume. I really just want people to get the D-Gods they want. But I do notice that a lot of people are opting to trade on ETH or Solana and the transactions are going smoother. So I think if people are building something there's a clear demand for is like some type of cross-chain swap 
Obviously, we want to promote people using Bitcoin. There is a balance where some easy use with retail and exposure to Bitcoin, I think, that would be good. But yeah, it's just interesting to me because you, you see some people that just have tons of Bitcoin down and then there's some people that are like, hey, I want to send. And also trading. There's a lot of people that are trading, not even just D-Guys, just ETH NFTs. We traded a few, I think two mutant apes. I have to log all the sales from today still once he's confirmed. But yeah, I think trading is going to be really exciting for Arnold. I'm excited to see how these PSBTs work once they go cross-chain somehow. Awesome. So post one last comment and we can close this segment. Yeah, no, it, it has been awesome how attentive K and D gods in general have been to like community needs, onboarding people, showing them how to use tools, all this stuff. I think ZK is totally right that at the end of the day, what the real magnet to adoption is promotion. It is promotional partnerships. I'd throw in there that I think that in the long run, if the incentives of the promotional movements don't to some degree with strong technical implementations, then you wind up seeing pretty big problems. I'm not saying that you guys aren't doing that and I'm not even really challenging it. I just, I'm kind of, I guess I'd like to know, like I, I hope to see a continued pattern, which we have seen where there, there is a convergence of those interests that we continue to build like really good strong technical solutions and that we get to collaborate with people that are baller promoters like the convergence of those things is really important at the end of the day the magic of blockchain is about aligning incentives like that's like fundamentally what the network does is it aligns the incentives of the participants and so if that ethos carries out in, into this other layer like into us building stuff then I think we'll see some pretty magical stuff. I will, I'll throw in there that to date, the best option for cross-chain, like exposure to liquidity from other chains is going to be Emblem Vault. I would definitely recommend like doing some research towards that if you're interested in being able to list into marketplaces on other chains. But there's, there's a lot of interesting things to think about, like what the future of Bitcoin really looks like for cross-chain interoperability. Fundamentally, you're like, it would be a huge shift in Bitcoin's design ethos. To, to determine who owns it based on what another chain says, right? So we probably won't see any kind of large expansion of cross-chain interoperability in the L1 because it, it requires making some very compromising choices for the design of the network. But you might see some interesting interoperability stuff show up in Lightning with other assets. So stay tuned, pay attention. Things are going to get pretty fun. Yeah, awesome, guys. Yeah. Super well said. Before we do wrap up, I do want to get some on-chain monkey alpha from Danny while we got him here. So, Danny, you and I had a FaceTime call at the on-chain monkey party, and you let some details slip. Can we give a little bit of clues about the upcoming Dimensions project that you guys are doing? I had to dig deep with Alpha Andy. I met Alpha Andy from on-chain monkeys. He's like the ZK of on-chain monkeys. Great dude. Yeah. Can you talk us about the upcoming Dimensions project? Yeah, so Dimensions is our big generative art piece that watching as soon as we basically get the parent child thing through orno team launches that officially and this is the thing what post and cypher saying about envelopes right so we're using envelopes to do some cool 3d art on bitcoin all on chain generate from the chain and so and this will be using the envelope that's in the word protocol and it'll be cool so Look out for that. So are you guys, when are you planning to inscribe these? Is Are you going to be under a million here? I mean, how long until we do have this parent inscription kind of standard? What is the timeline? I believe it should be pretty soon. I'd say like probably early April that we'll, we'll see parent-child. Basically, there's kind of a collection within the protocol. You can do this collection stuff. So, And I think a lot of creators are looking forward to that too. They're waiting to do that, those inscriptions. I think we'll see. Yeah, I, I mean, this is just 
we're, we're like all of us are really excited by Oranos because of all the innovation that's happening. And so this is just one one step, I mean, uh, along the way. And yeah, for our thing, well, we may have already inscribed the parent, so possibly may. So I mean, you may have, yeah, you may have. Maybe it's possible. And so, like, how are you guys fitting these 3D files? Like, is the parent one, is this a big inscription for the first one and the other ones are smaller and, like, that the first one has some JavaScript or some, like, what file type is it? Can you, like, talk about the architecture a little bit? Not yet, but the cool thing with the child is that it's very efficient, right? We were talking about how generative artists can use this. So I think creators who wanted, and also people who are going to use Magic Eden, like the creators who are launching generative art, when this is available, you can create the generative art, and then when you generate it right from the source, or rather the parent, the children can be very small. As small as five bytes is like tiny. So you can actually have a collection of a thousand, and you're only spending five kilobytes to distribute for the ch- for what you need to inscribe for the children. So so that'll actually allow for a lot of creative uses of ordinals that we haven't seen yet. And is this a GLD file? Is that what it's called for the 3D? Or you're trying to get alpha from me, right? That's alpha Andy's job. <laughs> Okay. Well, yeah, I'm going to talk to some engineers, figure figure that one out. And so is there, are there multiple parents? Are, is there multiple kind of inscriptions that the child ones will lead to, or is it just one? I think that will be some cool stuff we'll see in the future, too, with kind of recursion and reference inscriptions, referencing other inscriptions. What we were talking about earlier with Bored Apes, right? could inscribe a number of pieces that are used to generate more stuff. So I think those are all things for the future that will be cool use of ordinals and so is dimensions are they monkeys are they pfps is it abstract art is it going to look it's 3d art 3d art well there's a lot of types of 3d arts danny can you give us a little more a little more alpha than that it is 3d art that is based so another thing we do is we use dna of our collection so so basically People who have, let's say, a very rare genesis, they will be able to, you could say, mint the art version or the art that's based on the DNA. And so that, that's also one of the benefits of owning rares, which is hard to do. It's always hard to balance tokenomics of a collection, right? You, you want to get benefits for everyone, but sometimes you also don't want to leave the rare people who pay a lot, right, for the rare out, out without extra benefits. But then you don't want to hurt all of everyone. So this is our way of also using DNA to create new art that's pretty cool. So to get on the allow list for this, you need to have, there's like different tiers, right? So I was talking at the party, there's the the Genesis, which is your PFP, then there's the K1 and K2, which is like Mutinape M1 and M2. And you can have a matching set or you can have a set that's not matching. And then, so what are, the, what are those tiers in terms of the allow list? And does a matching set matter more than just having a set? Yeah, so, okay, some more details about the collection. The dimensions, the 3D art we're launching. The full collection is going to be 4,000 for the public and then 500 reserved for the company. So 4,500 total supply. And the tiers are in terms of allocation. So it's for people who hold on-chain monkey can be able to basically mint this. And so then there's a few tiers, like how it's, people are more familiar with board apes. So board apes have the tiers with the apes and the mutants. So we, we have the tiers with our Genesis and the Karma. But, okay, so I guess here's a bit of alpha that is not known yet. So I'll share it here. So this is the first for you guys to hear. So the 500 that we are keeping, because they're based on DNA of our Genesis, right? People need a Genesis to be able to appreciate or get the art. However, we're going to do 300 
that's going straight to Bitcoin. So our company holds 500 Genesis that have never been minted or used by anyone. And there's some really rare ones in there, including some gold and aliens. We're going to use those DNA, 300 of those DNA, and do 300 straight to Bitcoin that will let the public mint. So that's going to be, so that's the alpha. We'll let you know about that mint. And that'll be our exciting thing where people can mint straight from Bitcoin or, you know, buy the inscription straight from, from on Bitcoin. Awesome. So you guys are going to make us take some showers or do something else to be able to mint these, uh, one of these 300 rare ones. Is that correct? Is it going to be a shower? Is it going to be singing a song? What do you guys have in mind? Yeah, it'll be some sort of monkey business. Awesome. I love it. But and Danny, you didn't answer one of my questions, which was, does having the matching set matter more than having the any set for K1, K2s, and Genesis? Yeah, so the set is having a Genesis and a K... So the Karma Collection has three tiers, tier one, two, and three, one being the more common one, and two being more rare. So if you have a K1 and a K2 and a Genesis, that's considered a set. And that's what you need for a highest tier. The matching is the more collectible version, but it doesn't apply for this particular tiering. So the highest tier is having any K1, K2, and a Genesis. Okay, cool. And so I have a hoodie, which is like a rare trade, and they have a high floor kind of community decided, but it's not as rare as some of the others. And I think I can get the complete, the matching set. But since it's since there's going to be ones with more rare DNA, I'm thinking about trying to trade that for like a more rare one. Any advice on that? Like, I see the alien, good things you have an alien. Uh, yes, the alien is pretty awesome. I'd say an alien, a gold, those are pretty, pretty rare. Laser, the ice 22, which is like the highest tier eyes. So in our community, we call those the laser eyes. So, and, you, and they are shown. So Karma uses DNA of Genesis. So in Karma, they are laser eyes. So that's why, yeah, we say those are laser eyes in Genesis. But yeah, the highest, basically the highest level trait is always good. So top eyes the top hat is a crown and of course gold and alien like good things there he has he's throwing the alien oh and the crowd there's beanie who has the amazing matching gold it's the only gold that has matching hat and and clothes yeah that one is super rare oh man i've seen beanie in the spaces and on twitter for a long time i didn't know he's got the magic gold here i should have i should be now like putting more applause in all of his tweets for that one that's great to know and so yeah, good things. Go ahead. You have your hand raised. Yeah, I just want to say, first of all, it was awesome to see you hanging out with the monkeys last night. It looked like such an amazing event. I got total FOMO. But yeah, in terms of the traits, we also have what are called meta traits. And so the Genesis collection, Danny made it as compact as possible. So when you go and look at it on OpenSea or any marketplace or even on our website or even in a smart contract, you're just going to see numbers for each trait. So the Genesis collection is actually very rich. It has a lot of variety. And early on, the, the community created what's called, we call them meta traits, but it's basically combinations of the different traits. So for example, every monkey has clothes, a hat, and an earring trait. And so my monkey that you're looking at right now, for the hat and the earring, has a value of zero because there's no hat on it and no earring. If I had no clothes, the clothes would also be zero. And so a monkey, this is just one meta trait, but a monkey with no hat, no clothes, and no earring is called a naked monkey. This is actually created by community members. When I was buying my first monkeys back in September of 2021, I had no idea what to buy. I was just buying on rarity. But soon the community, like the first few days of me being in there, the community decided in the Discord that naked monkeys were more valuable. So that's just one example. But I'd be happy to answer questions if you ever look into trade up. 
and help you get a, a rare monkey if you're looking to get one in, in this new Dimensions collection. Awesome. Definitely good things. I will be in your DMs right after this, guys. So yeah, Leonidas, I think it's been a great show. I've got some on-chain monkey alpha right at the end here. We had the co-founders of Magic Eden up here. We talked about a lot of different topics on the technical side and the future of ordinals. Big props to the D-Gods fam for all they've been doing and the successful secondary volume they've been having. That's our show. Follow the Ordinal Show on Twitter at the Ordinal Show. Subscribe to our Substack newsletter. We do the show Mondays at 10.30 a.m. Eastern. And Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Eastern to hit all the time zones and spread the good word about this new movement. Hope you guys have a great weekend. Hope you guys have a great night. We'll see you guys next time. Have a great one, everybody. Cheers.